0: another episode of Indiana Politics. I'm Deb Chubb, and we are very delighted to be here today with Mike Schmuel, who is a candidate for the Indiana State Democratic Party chair position. So I want to start out with a little bio uh, about you, Mike. I know uh, you grew up in South Bend and went to school here and then uh, toodled off to Paris, I see, and then perhaps to D.C. working in television production. Uh, and then um, ultimately came back, which we always, you know, are grateful for uh, big brains to come back to Indiana. And uh, worked on, uh, uh, we call him Mayor Pete, now we call him Secretary Pete, uh, yep. Pete Buttigieg's mayoral campaign and worked in his administration. And, uh, and then ultimately on his presidential campaign. And in the meantime, also worked on some congressional campaigns for Indiana uh, candidates, Joe Donnelly, Uh, Shelly Yoder, now State Senator Shelley Yoder from Senate District 40, and Mel Hall, who ran for uh, Ino 2 And so, um, and then in uh, in that uh, journey, you also spent a couple of years on the State Central Committee, which, um, which I think is terrific. And I wonder, uh, well, my first question is, did you know, um, Mayor Pete, when you were both young growing up here in South Bend?
1: Uh, I did. Yeah. So it's actually a really interesting uh, story, Deb. Um, I first met Pete in eighth grade. Uh, He gave me a tour of high school. (laughs) He was a freshman and I showed up at St. Joe High School for a tour um, as a prospective student and he was my tour guide. Um, And so I first met him uh, back then. We were friends in high school. Um, uh, He's a year older than me, obviously. And so he went off to to Harvard and Oxford, I went to Notre Dame right across the street. Um, But we rekindled when we both um, kind of moved back uh, to South Bend to get involved in politics. I was working for Joe Donnelly at the time and Pete was running for uh, Indiana State Treasurer. And so that's how we kind of synced back up and started to talk about um, the future of our hometown and and the future of our party.
0: That's amazing. And so, and did you always have uh, aspirations in politics? Is that something you always wanted to do?
1: I was always really interested in politics um, and journalism. Um, you know, I think that my dad had a big, big influence on that. He uh, taught at Notre Dame for a number of years, um, American studies and, and journalism, uh, you know, history and politics and the media. Um, and so that was always fascinating to me. Um, and I got my first start really in journalism. So I wrote for the school paper at Notre Dame. Um, I interned for Tim Russert at NBC News in 2004. Um, and then I worked at the Washington Post for three years um, in the newsroom there um, before moving back home to work for, for Joe Donnelly. And so I always knew that I was interested in sort of media and journalism and also politics and campaigns. Um, and I've been really fortunate to, to do both.
0: And great. And then and now you're back in South Bend. And um, although you're running for uh, Democratic Party chair, uh, yep. you're actually in the capital investment uh, business.
1: Yeah, so I do. I have a few uh, interesting um, projects that I work on. One is I work with Heartland Ventures. So it's a small venture capital fund that was founded in South Bend a few years ago. Uh, we've expanded over the last few years. So we have um, some people in Indianapolis and Columbus, Ohio. Um, and we, we've hired actually a few uh, new people over the last year. Um, and what we basically do is we connect existing um, companies um, in Indiana and Ohio. So manufacturers, um, you know, sort of pretty big multi-family generation corporations with technology that's being developed um, outside of uh, outside of the heartland. So, it could be California, it could be New York or Boston or someplace else. And we kind of bring those those parties together. Um, and it's been really uh, enriching work. Um, you know, it's been challenging with COVID, but um, really enjoy the team and, and really enjoy the work there.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. yeah I, and I, you know, brings to mind. Um, our Republican U.S. Senator's recent comment about you know, uh, Indiana is doing poorly because we, you know, we're so uneducated.
1: Mm. Yeah, I saw there's a big Brookings uh, report out on, on manufacturing and, and Indiana is really, I think, lagging in a, in a bunch of categories. And um, a big part of that is technology and tech adoption. And I think that's something that, that all workers throughout Indiana um, could use. And we need to adopt more and more of that across our state.
0: Well, and wouldn't yeah. it be nice if um the senator supported some more um, educational resources for Indiana yeah. to mm-hmm. improve that situation? Yeah. Um. And you're also um uh you you're now in the uh, tavern business as well, <laughs> right? Uh,
1: yes. So that is a that is a fun project. Um, I bought with a business partner last fall Joe's Tavern, which is an old, um, neighborhood historic, um, bar in, uh, in the near west side of South Bend. Um, so it's a very classic uh, tavern. Uh, it's been around since 1905. Um, and so it's been through prohibition and different owners and all this stuff. And uh, a business partner and I are, are refurbishing it, rehabbing it and hope to open um, sometime this year. We'll see, but uh, it's got a great history, great tradition with food and Notre Dame sports and um, politicians and, and all these things. And so um, it's a really cool... Um, project and I'm delighted that I'm able to do it and invest in in my hometown. It's something that I wanted to do for a while. Yeah,
0: that's great. Well, yeah. so you have a terrific journey uh, for such a young guy.
1: But yeah. um, so yeah. so let's
0: start. To, let's talk more about the Democratic Party in Indiana. Sure. Um, this is that's this great. is the meat of the issue, isn't it? Yes. I first want to ask you um, about your experience on the state central committee. So uh, somewhere you know during the judge uh, campaign and the Donnelly campaign somewhere, you ended up on the state central committee uh, yep. as a congressional district chair, I believe. Uh, I so did. tell me about your experience. It was just a couple of years and I was um, interested to know, you know, why you didn't serve full-term and, you know, what was the experience like? What do you, you know, what was your impression? Um, because I'm sure that that, uh, you know, is informing your current uh, endeavors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was fortunate to serve um, at the time it was 2011 to, end of 2011 to um, the spring of 2013. Um, and so I was the second district chairman. Um, the previous uh, chair resigned. Um, and so there was a vacancy for that position. Um, and I served for about a year and a half, I'd say, grand total. Um, you know, the two big things that we did that that cycle were challenge Jackie Walorski. Um, you know, Brendan Mullen was a great candidate who was a, a war veteran, South Bend native, a businessman, um, terrific guy, terrific candidate. And he came up uh, one percentage point short of, of, of beating her in that open seat uh, election. Um, so that was tough. Um, but Joe Donnelly was a great bright spot for the state. And so that year he became uh, our United States Senator and won uh, that statewide office and held it for um, six years. Um, and so those were sort of the big ticket items that we um, that we focused on. Um, you know, I, I moved home to work for Joe um, in 2009, and I worked um, on his reelection bid in 2010. The district changed um, because of gerrymandering after the last census. It'll be interesting to see what happens later this year. Um, but uh, but yeah, I love the second district. Um, you know, and it's been my home for for the majority of my life. I didn't seek uh, reelection because I went to graduate school, and I knew that um, I was kind of heading down that path and wanted to um, get an advanced degree and um, take a little bit, little break from politics. And so that's what I did. I yeah. see. So, yeah. all
0: right. So, well, let's talk about the um, Democratic Party now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, after, you know, after um, suffering through the consequences of that, um, you know, redistricting in 2011, um, mm-hmm. you know, no one's come close to beating Jackie Wolorski since um, in the second congressional district. Um, and, you know, now we're, you know, we're just as, as bad as it could get, you think. You, you know, you feel like there's nowhere to go but up uh, at this point. Uh, and you talk about in your materials, your press release, about a multi-year strategy. So yeah. um, so tell me, tell me more about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Deb. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, the last decade has been really difficult for Indiana Democrats. Um, you know, if you look back to 2008, Barack Obama won the state. Um, our congressional delegation was majority Democratic. Um, you know, we had two of the southern um, congressional uh, seats with Baron Hill and Brad Ellsworth. Um, and we've had some bright spots. There's no doubt about it. You know, uh, with Joe Donnelly and um, Glenda Ritz, and also Pete Buttigieg, you know, making a national name for himself. Um, but we've also had um, some tough shortcomings. You know, there's super majorities for the Republicans in both houses. Congressional delegation is strongly Republican. Um, Statewide office is also strongly Republican. And so we have our work cut out for us. Uh, And I think we need to be clear with ourselves and our allies that um, it's not going, change isn't gonna happen overnight, you know? Um, We didn't lose some of these offices and some of our power overnight, um, and it's not gonna come back overnight. Um, But I'm heartened for a few reasons. I think that, you know, throughout my life, at the governor position, we've actually been pretty balanced. It's been about half uh, Democratic governors and half Republican governors in my lifetime. And um, if one party is in control for too long, I think voters and people um, start to see what's going on. And you start to get some of the worst strains um, in party ideology. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Um, And if you look at places like Kansas, or Wisconsin, or Kentucky, those are all states that had Um, you know, very conservative, far right, um, almost extreme um, uh, governors or uh, legislators. And how did the voters respond over time, they've installed democratic um, governors and wanted to change uh, the course of their state. And I think we can do the same thing here. um, Because I think that's what we're seeing out of out of Indianapolis, uh, each session. Um, And so, you know, it's kind of like we're taking over, or I feel like I'm Running for a position to be the coach of a team that you know needs to get to the playoffs and needs to get more wins and needs to recruit and needs to come up with a big uh, game plan to win, um, and so that's uh, what I'm doing, uh, and that's why I'm campaigning for this position, and um, you know, getting ready for the vote on March 20th.
0: That's great. Um, so I, I guess I'd like to talk a little bit more about the, um, the structure of the Democratic sure. Party. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. One of the biggest problems uh, is the local, <laughs> the local precincts and counties. Um, the Democratic leadership, uh, as you know, among precinct committee chairs um, is often vacant. Uh, there are no precinct committee chairs. Um, and many of those precinct committee chairs are appointees um, and sometimes elected, but who really are not at all committed to the work that needs to be done. And uh, likewise with uh, county chairs. I mean, uh, I've had just you know, awful experiences. And I will tell you, you know, in the last year, I spent um, oh, 18 months you know, scurrying around the state, trying to recruit Democratic women to run for state legislature. And yeah. uh, we ultimately worked with 29 uh, outstanding uh, Democratic women, uh, most of whom who had never run before, and who are now very well trained, very organized, and committed uh, to uh, politics and uh, the Indiana legislature. Uh, although most of them didn't win, um, but in that journey, I was, uh, you know, beca- I became exposed to county chairs in many, many counties, uh, you know, 29 women in 29 districts, each having multiple counties in them, uh, really uh, gave me, I think, a good view, um, you know, frankly, I probably like most people I'm finding in Indiana, think it's just their county, I thought just my county was a mess, mm-hmm. um, and um uh, and come to find out, many, many counties are just a mess. Um, there are, of course, a handful of terrific county chairs. Uh, you know, Edie Hardcastle was wonderful, amazing, innovative, terrific. Uh, Jennifer Crossley's terrific. Uh, Lita Rouser in uh, Cass County's terrific. Evelyn Brown's outstanding. So there are some really wonderful county chairs out there. But there, you no, know, there's 92 counties. And for the most part, uh, it feels like they are um, desperately clutching for control of a little fiefdom, uh, and are often very exclusive um, uh, to anyone who wants to, you know, come in and do anything. And so, what I have seen uh, is this dynamic emerge, which is uh, eclu- exclusive county chair organizations. Um, who uh, you know, don't want anyone coming in with any new ideas or anything. Uh, and so what happens is those people who are very enthusiastic about democratic politics, they start a club, they start a democratic club. So then you've got a county party organization, then you've got a county democratic club, and sometimes that club is, becomes exclusive as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then another club emerges. Mm-hmm. So then you've got these you know, fractured democratic efforts Uh, duplicating work um, and uh, not providing uh, a very efficient uh, operation and so uh, in my travels around the state that is what I have seen. I have seen many many counties with these multiple democratic organizations um, who don't work together um, and who are often some kind of adversarial in some cases. Um, So what are you going to do about that? Uh, and I will say, along with that, part of, you know, part of the problem that creates this problem is that the structure of the party doesn't include any incentive for uh, people in your position or congressional district positions to, um, to hold anyone below them accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, there's no incentive because those are the people that vote for that person. So in your case, the, count, the congressional district chairs vote for you uh, and county chairs vote for congressional district chairs. And so there's no real incentive system uh, for, for anyone to hold anyone below them accountable. So, okay, that was a lot. And um, so, um, so I, I will accept whatever you, know, you can do to address that problem. Let me know what, what is it you think you could do to help those problems.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great it's a great question. And I I think that over the last few decades, you've seen, um, you know, a deterioration of a precinct committee structure in a lot of places around the United States. You know, you think back to um, the heyday of sort of machine politics and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff where precinct lists were were filled and controlled and people lived in those specific neighborhoods and being a precinct person really meant something. And, you know, the party um, was in many ways a lot more lockstep, you know, I think with with what was going on. Um, And now, you know, I I see it in in our home county here and and other places where, you know, you don't necessarily have to live even in your precinct to be that precinct person. Um, And so I think it needs to be looked at. I think a few things. I think one of the reasons why I'm running is to build out that strategic plan that I talked about, a multi-year strategic plan that gets people to believe in the party, gets people excited about the party and gets people to invest in the party. Um, and I think that if we can start to do that, we can get more alignment with the county chairs um, and county activists, county volunteers, um, all those folks to to know where they plug into the, to the system. Um, and so I think that showing people what the game plan is, I think can help to bring some alignment to the process. Um, I think, going on the other side of the street is um, having the state party and the national party and other efforts um, give more resources perhaps to county parties um, through either um, um, you know if it's uh, planning if it's data if it's financial if it's organizing if it's staff um, you know giving a little bit more structure to the county and regional um, party uh, organizations so they have a little bit more to help Kind of keep them organized and kind of guide them along um, on this multi-year uh, journey that we're all going to be on together. Um, I think that oftentimes, you know, as you said, some chairs are on the ball; they know what's going on, they're tech savvy, they fill their slate, their ballot, um, and they're and they're going forward. Other chairs, you know, for whatever reasons, may not have um, those resources, the time, uh, et cetera, um, to to put forward for for those efforts. And we need to make sure that every county in Indiana has at least the tools, a toolbox, a guidebook to do what they want to do and what they need to do. Um, And the last thing I'll say is, you know, I think that there should be a little bit more um, kind of structure and transparency around the precinct um, organization uh, level. I think that um, it's a way to strengthen our party at the grassroots, at the neighborhood level, at the community level, at the city level, at the county level. Um, And I think that the party can help um, devise ways for county chairs to do that. Um, because we need all of our counties to be strengthened um, and, to, and to rebuild in the years ahead. Um, you know, I don't think a patchwork of, um, of, of different strategies or, or maybe personalities or you know, um, elected officials or g- different things should, should maybe be the, the, gu- the, the course for this. I think it should be, here's the playbook, here's the guidebook, here's where we can be our best, uh, the best party we can be, and let's go for that moving forward.
0: Uh, great. I think um, I, I will say, uh, in my experience, um, yeah. there is an appetite. There is definitely an appetite. There are women all over this state who are extremely enthusiastic um, yeah. about uh, moving the Democratic Party at, uh, forward and getting Democratic um, candidates elected. Um, yeah. I think you know women suffered more than most in these last four years, and mm-hmm. so. Um, there is there is a, absolutely an appetite, but they uh, those women have been consistently met with you know kind of a you know pat on the head and a, you know move over you know never mind we don't need you um, yeah. kind of attitude, yeah. and um, and something you know needs to change uh, you know uh, people like to say uh, and I've heard Democratic county chairs say it um, well you know we don't need to do it I mean where are they going to go. And, uh, and, a, and a, a very wonderful woman uh, at that meeting stood up and said, I'll tell you where they're gonna go, they're gonna go home, they're not gonna vote. You know, if you treat people like that, they just will not vote. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think that really, um, you know, says it all. And, uh, and I, I guess, you know, I, I'd like to hear, you know, uh, how you, um, you know, plan to engage these, uh, this uh, women as a constituency, as well as other minority communities.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's one of my, um, I sort of have five pillars to my candidacy, uh, which I can walk through in a little bit, Deb. Um, but one of those is bringing more people into the process. And I think that that um, falls under this, this pillar, is that the, one of the reasons why I'm a Democrat, and I love the Democratic Party, is we have a place for everybody. And you know, we are a big tent party, um, and we can bring everybody into our fold. Um, and the diversity of our party is something to be celebrated. Um, and so that's one of the big reasons why I'm a Democrat. You know, on the Pete for America campaign, it was, um, I was proud that we were a majority uh, female uh, campaign. Um, and we also paid women more than men um, at the end of the day. And so um, there was parity, but slightly more for, for women on our, on our payroll across the board and had a lot of prominent uh, women in leadership positions. Um, and I would try to do the same with the Indiana Democratic Party. You know, I'm running alongside Myla Eldridge, who's the Marion County clerk, the first African American clerk elected in Marion County. Um, she's a fantastic voting rights ag- advocate um, and a great leader for our state from the, from the central part of the state. Um, and so she will have a seat at every table that I'm at uh, to lead our party forward. I also think the staff that you hire, um, that you bring on uh, has to represent not just Indiana not just our country, but the future needs to represent the future of Indiana and the future of the United States. And so that um, is all voices uh, at the table uh, that need to be there and prominent female voices. Um, I think also uh, candidate recruitment and how we go out and find great people to run. Um, Women are fantastic candidates and have proven that across the country, especially in the you know, sort of the Trump, uh, the Trump years that um, sort of the backlash to him running and the Women's March and activism and run for something and all of these different organizations that, um, that have been created. Um, many, many, many women with fantastic backgrounds became elected officials. Um, and we need to keep that going and accelerate that growth here in Indiana. You know, the, the work that you're doing, Hoosier Women Forward, other organizations all need to have a seat at the table um, as the party is devising this longer term strategy. And I sort of envision all the different constituency groups that we have. Some have votes on the state central committee, some do not. We need to have more, I think, collaboration and communication on the long-term prospects for our party. Um, if that's organizing councils or coordinating councils or um, you know platform councils, whatever shape it takes, everybody needs to be at the table to uh, contribute because If so many people have all this energy to be involved um, and um, they're all sort of doing it on their own, um, there's probably duplication of effort, duplication of uh, labor and people who are really excited, you know, confusion on what we should be focusing on this day or this week. And I think we need to bring everybody together to make sure that we are being really, really efficient and we're packing a punch when it comes to um, year by year, election by election.
0: That's great, and so and that of course reminds me of the current situation at the state central committee, where uh, in where uh, African Americans have a caucus with a vote, Um, LGBTQ plus community has a caucus with a vote, Um, Latinx has a a caucus with a vote, I I believe, and uh, um, uh, 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 young Democrats have a caucus with a vote, Um, and possibly labor. I think there's labor. Labor has a caucus with a vote, So, um, but not women. Women uh, do not have a caucus. Um, And I will say, despite my own um, uh, efforts in uh, uh, establishing that at the 2018 State Democratic Convention by collecting uh, over 700 petition signatures uh, and having that um, resolution to create a women's caucus with a vote um, passed by the resolutions committee, and also passed in the entire package that the entire convention delegation passed, um, but then was, um, you know, sent down uh, the toilet by um, your predecessor um, uh, when he, de- he refused to uh, take a vote at the state central committee, uh, which apparently then had to sanction uh, what the, the entire convention delegation had uh, passed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, two and a half years later, uh, after sending it to the uh, rules committee where everything goes to die. Uh, suddenly there's um, some sort of uh, council, which I can't even figure out what it does. It, has, it clearly has no vote. Uh, and I don't even know what it is. So again, you know, again, feels like another, you know, pat on the head and, uh, you know, a nudge to the side, get, get out of the you know, be quiet now. So uh, I will tell you, that's been a, it's been a terrible experience for me. Uh, But of course, uh, it doesn't make me go away, makes me makes me more angry, and um, makes me more uh, incentivized to uh, make a point. So, uh, so I, uh, so again, you know, I mean, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, bringing in other constituencies, we talk about engaging more people. But, um, you know, women have done, you know, more for the Democratic Party, uh, probably than any constituency out there. And yet, don't get recognized, uh, even with you know a, a a caucus at the at the on the committee. So uh, that's been really disappointing. And yeah. so um, you know I uh, you know I just hope uh, somewhere along the way that can change because uh, that's just really it's really infuriating, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. So um, uh, all right. So. Uh, I, I wanna ask you too, I know you've done a lot on uh, federal races and you talk a lot about congressional districts. And, mm-hmm. um, and I wonder, you know, what is your commitment to state races and the state legislature um, for the Democratic Party?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, a huge piece of news this year will be what comes back with the census data. Um, it's going to be a lot later than I think anybody would like Uh, across the country, Um, you know, state legislators um, across the United States are going to get some of this information. Um, I think, I think the last time I saw late summer, maybe even early fall um, to make the lines for um, really the spring and primaries that will happen uh, across the country. And so that's really a tight timeline. Um, It'll be really interesting to see how that evolves. we need to gain strength uh, in the state house. There's no question about it. Uh, with super majorities in both houses for Republicans, we have to gain strength and get more Democratic members um, and break that super majority. Um, I think that long term, we need to have a multi pronged approach. I want to involve all voices in um, devising this strategy. But for me, if you look at the calendar moving into the future, this is sort of our off year, if you will. I don't think it's off, but it's our. There's no elections, there's nothing on the ballot. Um, it's it's truly a time to reorganize, rebuild, rethink, uh, raise money um, and start to uh, plan for uh, the midterms of next year. Um, and so I think for the midterms next year, I, we need to focus on all races. Um, I think we also need to focus on down ballot races. I think we need to focus on county level races, um, strengthening our county parties, which we've already talked about a little bit Deb. Um, and make sure that we're filling ballots um, across the state and recruiting the best possible candidates um, in all corners of, of Indiana. I think then the following year is municipal year. And so I think we also have an opportunity there um, to make gains with um, with cities and municipalities across the state. You know, The Indiana Democratic Party had um, a really strong hold on mayor's offices for quite a long time um, until recent history and Republicans uh, made some serious inroads in those offices. And so I think that we need to go, uh, we need to come up with a strategy uh, to win back a lot of those those mayor's offices. Um, so I think it's everything. It's it's county, it's um, municipal, it's state legislative, it's congressional, it's statewide. We need to do everything we can to, to build up the party and recruit the best possible candidates uh, for those positions. Um, and we need to recruit candidates um, and devise strategies that are winning strategies. Um, you know, I think that at the end of the day, we all want to win. Uh, we all want to be successful on election night and gain offices, gain strength, so we can improve the lives of Hoosiers across uh, our state. Uh, and that's what I plan to do.
0: So, on, on that note, um, tell us about your um, your mayoral campaign uh, with Pete judge. You know, mm-hmm. what was the strategy? Um, you know, it was successful, and so you know, yeah. what worked.
1: Yeah, so this was 2011. Um, so exactly, uh, sort of surreal to think about now, but exactly 10 years ago, <laughs> uh, this week I was probably somewhere with Pete having coffee with somebody to see if they'd vote for this young guy <laughs> in his 20s. Um, but it was a turning point for South Bend. It really was. You know, we were on a list of of dying cities um, by Newsweek magazine, and one of the reasons we were dying was all the young people were leaving South Bend. And Pete and I were involved in politics and we were looking at each other and we were saying, you know, um, well, that's that's not great. And we're also two young people who happen to live in South Bend and care about this community. Uh, And so he mounted a bid for mayor. Um, And back then the dynamic was um, interesting. You know, the county chair at the time was behind a certain candidate um, and a prominent state legislator um, was running and his father was the prosecutor. And so he was a prominent candidate. And then Pete was sort of the other option, the other choice, sort of a fresh face. Um, And that's kind of how we um, organized our campaign was around sort of fresh ideas, new energy, um, kind of a next generation of leadership for South Bend. Uh, And it worked, Um, you know, Pete won 55% of the vote in the primary in May. um, And there were a couple other candidates and then went on to um, win the general election in a landslide um, to really usher in kind of a new uh, a new period of of leadership for South Bend over the last eight years, um, and so I, I, I liken that to kind of where we are um, now. I think that you know our party is at a turning point, and I think that we are looking um, sometimes in the rearview mirror maybe for strategies or ideas or inspiration. When one of the things that I really love about politics is the blend and the and the mixture of of tradition values and kind of what came before you with innovation, technology, new ideas, um, young people being involved and being inspired for the first time. And if you can put those things together, um, you can really, you know, magic can happen. And, you know, you've been to campaign headquarters as of I, and you you see all the people from different backgrounds, different ages, working together for the same goal. Um, and that's what I'd like to do with the party. I, I would really, really like to bridge sort of all these different Maybe wings or ideas or um, passions, and make sure that we're all together marching to the same uh, to the same drumbeat. Um, because there's just too much at stake, and um, we need to go up from here.
0: Well, that's great, and I, I mean, it really makes me wonder if that strength, same strategy would work on a state level.
1: Um, yeah,
0: uh, you know, it, it certainly is um, a new, innovative idea, and yeah, and. Uh, and it would be terrific if, if that could be adopted. And so, um, and part of, um, part of your other materials talk about, um, you know, your common sense message and, um, you know, uh, is, that, is that your common sense message or is it, you know, is it something else? I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I think it is, I think it is. And I think that, um, you know, I think um, I keep going back to kind of like the multi-year strategy and, and everything like that. But I think the Democrats across Indiana um, whoever you are, if you are a county chair, if you are a volunteer, if you are just a voter who votes Democratic regularly, if you're um, um, you know, a poll worker, if, if you're an elected official, uh, whoever you are, I think that if you're an Indiana Democrat um, or interested in becoming an Indiana Democrat <laughs> because the Republicans are kind of in disarray, we need to have a clear, I think, um, articulation about who we are, what we stand for, where we're going, um, and where we want to uh, take the state, um, because I think if we start to do that in a very simple, clear, straightforward way, using all these different tactics um, that, we've, that we've talked about a little bit, Deb, that, um, you know, with offered with a choice and competition, um, you know, and, and well-financed campaigns and well-run campaigns with great candidates, um, I think that more and more people are going to start to move to, to our side on a lot of issues. Um, and, and that's what I want to help build. I want to help guide that with, with people all across our state.
0: All right, great. Okay. So, um, we're almost out of time. So, um, I do want to ask you, um, uh, for any final words of wisdom. I love, you know, I, this is, you know, I always get really great answers when I ask that. So, so I want to ask you for that.
1: Yeah. Words of wisdom. Wow. Well, um, I guess, I guess my, my final thing would just be, um, you know, Joe Kernan was a former, uh, was the last democratic governor of, um, Indiana. And he was also a former mayor of South Bend. And he was a friend and a great guy, great character, so much fun. Um, and he sat me down once and Pete, Pete and I once and said, you know, so much in politics is out of your control. And so you got to focus on what you can control and what you can, uh, help move forward. Um, and I think we're, I think that's a a valuable lesson because there's so much noise out there. There's so much misinformation, disinformation. Um, You know, the the media landscape is really dominated by national news. Um, There's a lot of of lack of information at the sort of the local level in many communities across Indiana. Um, And I think that we need to get back to some basics as a party, Um, you know, and so I'm approaching this from kind of a blank canvas. Um, All ideas are welcome that we need to really reimagine um, the future of the Indiana Democratic Party because it's been a tough few cycles. Um, But it doesn't have to be this way forever, and I don't think it will be. Um, I I think one of the things that I've seen over the last two weeks, Deb, and I announced my candidacy two weeks ago today, is just how much passion and excitement and love for the Indiana Democratic Party there is out there, and that people really, really, really want to be involved. And um, if we can harness that um, kind of catch that lightning in a bottle, um, then I think we can really do anything. And I think we can start to win races up and down the ballot in the years ahead.
0: That's great. All right, terrific. All right, well, and as to um, local information in Indiana, you know, that's what I'm attempting to do is really to try yeah. to provide that, uh, that uh, a bit of a drink of water in a, a desert of information uh, here in Indiana concerning local politics. So, um, so uh, thank you for joining me. And um, and uh, this is on a podcast as well on Spotify. Yep. And so if anyone is interested, oh yeah, please go and subscribe or follow. I'm so excited, <laughs> you know, like we still working on this. Yep. But um, but yeah, please do that if you can. And um, thank you so much for joining me. And um, you know, uh, all the best. I'm sure we'll see you around. I assume no matter what, you will be involved. I hope. And uh, and uh, and we'll we'll be meeting again.
1: Sounds good, Deb.